Welcome back to a brand new episode of The Sports Skinny. As always, I'm your host, Samara Rosenfeld, joined today by Andrew Heller, as usual. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about today. I mean, the state of sports is pretty crazy right now. We'll start with a quick college football championship recap, but then we're really going to dive into the NBA, COVID, postponements, what's going on with Kyrie, Eastern Conference picks. Then, of course, Francisco Lindor joined the Mets, so it would really it would really be a shame if I didn't mention some stuff about him and the state of the Mets organization as a whole. And then, as always, we'll close out with our NFL divisional round picks. I'm super excited. Sports sports are, are in full throttle right now, so, so buckle up. We've got a good episode for you today, and let's dive into it. Andrew, first off, how's it going? It's going pretty good. Sports are hanging on. Uh, it's definitely kind of crazy right now with the COVID blowing up again, but at least they're hanging on for the moment. So thank God we have stuff to talk about still. At least they played yeah. the national championship. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get into the NBA a little bit later. But quickly, let's, let's talk about the college football championship. Alabama Crimson Tide against the Buckeyes. For me, I had the over 69 and a half as you recommended to me. I didn't get the odds boost in on DraftKings. But as you can expect, a lot of points were scored in the national championship game. But other than that, I had no other bets. Eight and a half point spread. I know you had some stuff. So so what did you have? And then what do you think of the game? I mean, I, honestly, so I thought this was easy money for Bama. You know, whichever way you wanted to take it. If you wanted to take the over, you wanted to take them to cover the spread. Um, and I think the game showed that right from the get-go. I mean, Bama put up 28 points in the second quarter alone. I mean, from then on, Ohio State never really stood a chance. They just totally overmatched outsides. And, you know, you had your Heisman Trophy winner, Devonta Smith, 215 yards, free touchdowns. I mean, that's like Randy Moss in his prime right there. So Alabama really couldn't be stopped. And, yeah, I, I made a, a good clip. I made about 100 on this. Basically, I took Alabama money line and then parlayed it with a bunch of soccer games over the weekend. And then got lucky enough that all of those came through uh, with the FA Cup. So I was in position. All I had to do was sit back and let Bama do their thing, which they did in a pretty convincing fashion. I think they, I still think they could beat the Jets. I don't know. <laughs> pretty convincing fashion indeed. And it wouldn't surprise me if they could beat the Jets. I know a lot of experts will say that's absolutely ridiculous to claim, but the Jets showed, showed nothing. Their offensive line was not that good. The, the defense only finally started picking it up towards the end of the season. Sam Darnold is still a little bit shy with the ball. And, and you really see that, especially compared to his draft class of, you know, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, who are both picked after him. They've come into their own in the league. Lamar Jackson has already won an MVP. They're right. both playing against each other this coming weekend. And they just have that ball awareness. And, right. you know, they'll get rid of the ball when they need to, where Sam Darnold might take a sack. And right. that's that's the frustrating part. So, I, I mean, I could see Alabama putting up a good fight. But here's – so I think Mac Jones played a great game. He really Definitely. did. He, he tore it up. He had five touchdowns and 464 yards, zero interceptions. But here's my concern is that potential number two overall pick, Justin Fields, played horribly. 
And that does not look good if you're a Jets fan. He looked horrible. Right. He had 194 yards on 17 completions out of 33 attempts. He averaged 5.9 uh, yards per game and one touchdown in the game with an 87.2 QBR. He just didn't look confident at all. And he might have been injured. I think I read some reports that he might have been injured. But it was not a convincing game if you're a Jets fan to watch him go out and put up that kind of performance. Alabama's defense isn't what it was in seasons past. It wasn't that great. They lost, what's his name, Battle, to the targeting call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. The, the, one of their key players. I wasn't convinced by his performance at all, and I'm really hoping that the Jets can avoid taking him at number two. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame you, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I agree with what you're saying. Bama's defense, you know, isn't what it maybe used to be, but it's still, they're, they're the best team in the league without a, in the college football, without a doubt. So if you're looking... It, it's the most NFL caliber team there is, is what I'm trying to say. So essentially that's Fields' biggest test is playing Bama. You know, as a Notre Dame fan, I saw that. Nobody, you know, Ian Book, not going to be an NFL quarterback. We saw him play against Bama. You know, he, it, so it, it, it's it's like a litmus test. I think that's what they called it. And Fields didn't pass it. I want to draft him if I'm in the Jets. I'm agreeing with you there. And uh, – it's a shame. You know, the elves just keep coming for you. Couldn't get Lawrence. You don't really want this guy. You got to guess you're going to be stuck with Darnold. Maybe a new head coach at Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson, maybe. I've heard those rumors circulating already. He has ties to, to the Jets organization. Maybe it happens. Maybe it doesn't. I'm hoping maybe we go for Sala or Biennemi. But again, we'll see. There's still a lot of a lot of time to be had with that decision. I'm hoping maybe we, we go all out for, for Deshaun Watson. Wow. Yeah, that would be a blockbuster trade. I'm hoping we'll see what happens. But I really want to get into the NBA because, okay, college football season's over. But we're, we're getting into the thick of things with the NBA. We're about a month and a half in or a month in, whatever it may be. And things are kind of hitting the fan right now. So the season started with a postponement. If you remember the Mm -hmm. Houston Rockets game, their first game of the season was postponed because they couldn't, they didn't have enough players Uh, in this COVID era. You need to have at least eight players eligible to play. And they only had seven. Okay. So that game's postponed. Now we have games being postponed left and right. The Celtics haven't played a game since I think last Friday they played against the Wizards, one great game. Jason Tatum went off against Bradley Beal, their hometown friend, hometown friends, which is always cool to see those types of matchups and stuff, especially when they're guarding each other. And you see the kind of like tit for tat, them just making buckets in each other's face. It's pretty cool. But you have the Celtics were supposed to play the Miami Heat on Sunday. That game got postponed. And so Jason Tatum has coronavirus. He tested positive. So did Rob Williams. So going into the game against Miami, the Celtics were already down at least four players in Tristan Thompson, Jason Tatum, Robert Williams, and someone else who's, I'm drawing a blank right now, but they they had at least four players who had to sit out, Grant Williams. Hmm. So it was Tristan Thompson, Grant Williams, Rob Williams, and 
Jason Tatum. But Jason Tatum had played the whole game against the Wizards and came in contact with nearly everybody on the team. So now then you see Jalen Brown comes up on the injury report listed for health and safety protocols and Shemi Ojale and basically the team dwindled down to nothing. But still, there were enough players to, I'll say, quote unquote, feel the team. There were, they had eight players. It turns out Miami didn't have enough players. Mm-hmm. So this is happening in several organizations are, are faced with this. I know the 76ers were faced with it the other on Saturday. It just isn't looking good. So the Celtics game was postponed on Sunday. Then they were supposed to play on Tuesday night against the Chicago Bulls. That game was postponed because the Celtics didn't have enough players which means that someone else either tested someone else might have tested positive on the Celtics and the game against Orlando Magic for Wednesday night was already postponed because they still don't have enough players. So the Celtics are getting pretty lucky in that they have enough. They don't have enough players to play because they would be without Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, all their stars. They would be, they would be playing with a team of, you know, Carson Edwards, as the starting point guard, you would have Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Nesmith, Taco Fall. Like that would be your Tremont Waters. That would probably be the starting five. But maybe Jeff Teague, because I think Jeff Teague is, is eligible to play. He would probably start, actually. But it's just crazy to see, like, even the, the Mavericks Pelicans game was postponed the other night as well. So. This is happening, and it's it's teams that are facing similar teams. Mm-hmm. So the Wizards have been a big name in that. It was the 76ers played against the Wizards, and then they were all testing positive. The Celtics played the Wizards and then started testing positive. But the Wizards seem to be coming out of it scotch-free. So, but, I mean... It's crazy. It's crazy. But, you know, what do you think of these postponements, Andrew, and how, how the league has been handling it so far? Because obviously new protocols have been put into place, which I'll talk about. But do you think their approach so far has been okay? No, I, um, I really don't. And it's a shame to see. I know we've talked about this because of – I think it's a shame because of how well they did over the summer in the bubble. Now to see this approach – if you can even call it an approach. I mean, I don't know. Up until, you know, the most recent tweets today with the regulations, they really haven't been doing a whole lot, I don't think, to prevent, you know, the travel, the contact, et cetera. So I'm not really happy with the way the league's handling it. And, I mean, being a Sixers fan, I feel gypped. We've had to play all of our games. You know, Saturday we had to play with just eight guys. Now tonight um, we're playing the Sixers, we're playing the Heat, and there's 15 total people out between the two teams. And just like, just cancel the game at that point. You know, I, I would like to see the league somehow like put up. I, I understand that the logic behind it, you could feel the team of eight, but I, I think there should be a, a different cutoff point for what cancels the games, you know, besides just the fact that, okay, you have eight guys who appear to be healthy. We're not quite sure about tests, if they're injured. You know, there's so many different things. The Sixers got fined for, um, having Ben Simmons on the injury list on Saturday or for not having it. So there's so many different things. 
that are going into this. And I think the league needs to really solidify some kind of guidelines or there's some protocol for canceling these games. So it's not just so all up in the air. I mean, if you go to like bet on any NBA game right now, the line changes like every hour, you know, it's a real pain. So I'm not pleased. I'm not pleased. I agree with you. You know, I'm definitely not pleased with the way things are going. And obviously this is a league that's all about revenue and they, they don't want to be canceled postponing games. They don't want to be canceling games. And we saw that prime example was the 76ers playing on Saturday against the Nuggets. But the protocols just never really made sense because you have these players who are playing against other teams and there's no rules about not being able to go out. You're able to see the, you're able to talk to the other team and visit their hotels and stuff like that and have people in your rooms and then people are going out to restaurants and it just never made sense to me. Mm -hmm. And finally people started wearing masks not just the coaches, but the players started wearing masks on the sidelines, which made sense to me, but the players are coming out of the games and they're not necessarily putting their masks on. Right. That's exposure. And the CDC put out this guidance or, or something like that, a framework about how initially you weren't supposed to spend 15 minutes consecutively with a person if you're not like six feet apart, something like that. Don't quote me on this. This is a loose, mm-hmm. loose rendition of the actual facts. But okay, so you have 15 minutes, six feet apart consecutively. Then they said 15 minutes at all with the same person. So you're, I mean, these players are all playing, you know, you're playing 48 minutes of basketball. Yeah. You're in, even if you're not one-on-one with a player all game, you're in contact with them for that amount of time, for sure. Absolutely. And that's, and it spreads that way. Yeah. And I don't think the league really is taking that strongly into consideration, but today we're recording this on Tuesday and the MBPA and the NBA met and came up with some new health and safety protocols to kind of change the tide a little bit start start over let's let's see where things go let's try to be a little bit smart about this because the second half of the season hasn't been like the schedules for the second half of the season were never released yeah so they had room to work with and this was only a matter of time before they finally came together to do this so this is from mark stein's twitter page he put together a comprehensive list of all of the new protocols and and health and safety regulations. So I'll I'll read it straight up because there's no mincing words here. Activities outside the team environment. For, For at least the next two weeks, players and team staff are required to remain at their residence when the team is in its home market at all times, except to attend team related activities at the team facility or arena, exercise outside or perform essential activities or as a result of extraordinary circumstances. Away from work interactions are limited to those with household members, family, and any personal staff working regularly in the home. When on the road, players and team staff are prohibited from leaving their hotel, other than for team activities or emergencies or interacting with non-team guests at the hotel. So that's a big difference because players were allowed to go to other players' hotel rooms, opposition, going out to dinner, stuff like that. 
Now I believe family members, if they're going to be coming in and out of that, the player's house at home, they need to be tested at least twice a week as well. Mm-hmm. All right. So for meetings for at least the next two weeks, any pregame meeting in the locker room is limited to no more than 10 minutes in duration and all attendees must wear a face mask. All other meetings involving players and team staff must continue to occur on the court in a league approved space or at the arena in a room large enough to provide for at least six feet of distance between individuals. Meeting attendees must continue to wear face masks at all times. Now on the road, for team flights, teams must create a seating plan on plane so that players whose assigned seats are closest to each other on the bench for games are also closest to each other on the team plane. All treatment sessions at a hotel, such as massages and physical therapy, must occur in a ballroom and other large open space with at least 12 feet between individual stations. Face masks and face shields are to be required for all individuals during each session. That's another big thing because players were having, I mean, that bench bench plane thing makes perfect sense to me. And I think the way that they're handling that is really smart. If you're sitting next to the guy on the bench, you should be sitting next to the guy on the plane. Exactly. Or near the guy on the plane. Yeah. But when it came to physical therapists and stuff, they were coming in and out of the hotel rooms, even in the bubble. Yeah, wow. Well, so, yeah. you know, ballrooms and, and having a larger space for that is definitely smart because you don't know who's bringing what into the room. So on game day, players are prohibited from arriving at the arena more than three hours before tip-off. During the pre- and post-game periods, players must limit interactions to elbow or fist bumps, avoid extended socialization, and maintain six feet of distance as much as possible. Exiting the game and prior to returning to the bench, players can sit in cool-down chairs, arranged at least 12 feet from the bench with each chair six feet apart where face masks are not required. Once a player has cooled down, he must return to his assigned seat on the bench and wear a face mask until he enters the game. Players must always wear a face mask in the locker room during strength and conditioning activities and when traveling with any other anyone other than a household member. Coaches and other team staff must wear face masks at all times during games, which they were already doing, but that's smart to limit to to elbows and, and fist bumps because yeah, you have guys that's... dapping each other up left and right and, and oh. talking really close face to face. And I was very weary about that just watching it on TV, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I was thinking that like every time they did a foul shot and do like, you know what I mean? They always like give a couple high fives, like kind of like get real close, like after the foul shots sometimes. Yeah, and after the games when they're when they're talking to their opponents close up. Right. Yeah, doing the jersey swap or whatever. It's like jersey well, swaps and and catching up with with their old friends, like again, like what Jason Tatum and Bradley Beal did. Right. Yeah, these are pretty intense. I mean, like this game based stuff, like that's that's severe. They yeah, they really thought this through because people are breathing heavy. And, and yeah, they'll be in their own space for that. That's, that's a great addition, I think. Yeah. Now, last thing when it comes to testing, any individual who regularly visits, and I mentioned this before, the interior of the home of a player or team staff member for a professional purpose must undergo COVID testing twice per week. For any team with a positive player case or high-risk staff member case, the NBA may require players and steam and team staff to undergo five consecutive days of twice per day lab-based testing in addition to daily point of care testing. 
Wow. Farah. Now, these, at least based on the first few that I read, it looks like this is just for the next, like, two weeks. Oh, they're not going to do it for the whole season. I don't know if they're doing it for the whole season. Um, I know when it came to activities outside the team environment and for meetings, it, uh, it just mentioned for the next two weeks or for at least the next two weeks. I don't know how long these will be in place for. I think they should last the entire season. Yeah. If they don't, the season is at risk. I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I completely agree. I don't understand why you would just do it for like two weeks. I mean, clearly this is something that isn't like going away quickly. So to just have like, oh, let's put a two week like bandaid on it, like some flex seal tape or something. And then just let everything go back to normal. Well, then you just have to do the same thing again in another month and a half when there's another breakout. So yeah, I completely agree with that. It should be for the whole season if they're going to start you know, putting these kind of procedures in play. Why not? And I really hope they work out because basket. I love watching basketball. I love the Celtics. I love the sport. I love having something to do. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, we've had these postponements and you would think maybe that would deter some people from wanting to play. The, the risk, you know, putting yourself at risk maybe unnecessarily because of because of the lack of health and safety protocols some people just aren't about it and that's why you know in the nfl people at mlb people had a chance to opt out and i totally agreed with everyone who did decide to opt out i mean yoana cespedes and marcus stroman both did for the mets you know it stinks to see but but you have to respect their decision and obviously it makes sense now, you have Kyrie Irving, on the other hand, who initially you thought maybe it's because, you know, Kevin Durant had to go through a seven to 10 day quarantine himself, even though he had already had coronavirus, he was potentially exposed. You think maybe Kyrie chose to sit out last, last Wednesday because of that. He instead chose to opt out or not opt out, but he refused to play. He cited personal reasons, but I do believe at that point it was because of all the stuff that went on at the Capitol. Mm, okay. So I believe that was the start of it. And then he didn't travel with the team to Memphis and the team lost. Kevin Durant came back, the, the team lost, and they've, they've been losing. And he's just continued to cite personal reasons as the reason why he's not playing. But the Nets haven't necessarily heard from him and they don't know He's kind of, they're saying, off the grid. However, this today, uh, a video was released or leaked, I don't know, of Kyrie Irving at a party without a mask, crowded party, hanging out with Drake in Toronto. What's the deal with that? How, like, this is the kind of stuff that needs, like, punishment like a fine or something, right? If it's for real that he's at, at the video, he's breaking the regulations and now they're putting in place. This is the kind of stuff that, you know, it really needs to go beyond. I mean, I understand that he is a talented player and, you know, like I think we talked about this in the last podcast with James Harden. Sometimes you make excuses for talented players or you give them, you know, a little bit of wiggle room. This is unacceptable now. Now he's missing multiple games. He's not sick. He's going out partying 
with people. I'm disappointed that the league hasn't already done more to give Kyrie Irving some sort of punishment or suspend him for a few games because, that, you know what I mean, it, this is your job. You got to show up and do it from time to time. Nobody necessarily likes going to work every day. Maybe even professional athletes don't like going to work every day. But, I mean, Durant's back. Doesn't, like, doesn't he want to fall out with Durant? Yeah, I mean, there. so Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN tweeted today, with the NBA conducting an investigation into the apparent birthday party video, not the Nets nor Kyrie Irving dictate his return date. Now the league office can rule on possible protocol violations and mandated time away in quarantine based on findings. If Brooklyn's Kyrie Irving is found to have violated league health and safety protocols, he's facing a proportional game reduction of one out of 81.6 of his salary. I don't know how to, it's $410,000 per game. He would forfeit that money for every game lost because of a mandated isolation. The league is currently probing the video. Oh, wow. But the Nets, who haven't heard from Kyrie, they released a statement today. Mm -hmm. We are aware of a video on social media featuring Kyrie Irving at a family gathering. We are reviewing the circumstances with both Kyrie and the NBA in order to determine compliance with health and safety protocols. Kyrie remains away from the team due to personal reasons. A date of his return has yet to be finalized. In the meantime, we will continue to stay focused on our organizational goals. Kyrie will have the opportunity to address his absence when he is ready to do so. And that's where, I mean, obviously accountability, you're a professional athlete, you're on this pedestal, you've won a championship, you're supposed to be a leader. You know, he was supposed to be a leader with the Celtics. That we saw what happened with that. He wasn't. He simply wasn't. And he checked out. He checked out long before the season was over. And it was evident. This is where I do not miss Kyrie on the Celtics at all. Right. Dealing with this BS is ridiculous. He's not holding himself in a professional manner. He's potentially letting his teammates down. I mean, I understand if if the events at Capitol Hill are something to get you charged up and and make you not want to play and think, oh, you know, this is bigger than basketball type of thing. I understand that. I respect that. But, and I heard this on ESPN today uh, when I was listening to the radio, that you still have a job to do. Mm -hmm. People are still going to work, even if they don't agree with what was going on at Capitol Hill. And, and you know, government, decision makers, whatever it may be. This is your career. And you're looked at as this high profile player. And to not show up for personal, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe his mental health is is in question. I'm not sure. I don't like bashing any player at all, because it's not fair. We really don't get to see the full picture. But at some point, he does have to answer to where he's been. Uh, yeah, I think that's only fair. And it's not even bashing. It's just like the f- common sense. Thinking just like a common, you know, he's supposed to be there for his team. Yeah, yeah, spot on. He's supposed to be there for his team, and he hasn't. So, so with miss- all of that said, it's been a pretty intense first few, you know, month and a half of the season. We have the Phoenix Suns are doing phenomenal. They're on ESPN's, they're ranked number two in ESPN's power rankings behind the Lakers. 
Then the Celtics are number three. I believe the 76ers might be four or five. Mm -hmm. It really puts into question, I mean, what, where do you see, how do you see the Eastern Conference playing out this season? We had that discussion with our professor, Chuck, who was on the podcast before about our seeds, you know, for the Eastern Conference. And I don't know, I'm really liking the Celtics so far, just from what I've seen. And I think that they're eventually due for a deep playoff run. So I'm having them as my number one seed, you know, assuming, hey, if Tatum, Tatum has the COVID now, he should be good for the next couple of months. He could just go off. You know, you have a fully healthy squad. That could be very dangerous for the East. So I'll take Celtics at one. Then I'll go Nets just because, I don't know, I think Durant, if Kyrie can get, you know, whatever he's got to work through together. They have a lot of, you know, that's a really strong team on paper. So I'll put the Nets at two. Then I'll go Miami, Miami at three, Bucks at four, 76ers at five, Raptors at six. Really that free through six. I mean, just mix it up any way you like. I think all of those teams are pretty much like same caliber. Bucks might be a little bit better. Uh, but the, I don't even know. I'm, I'm losing faith in that Giannis can carry that team. Uh, and then to close it out, I have the Magic at seven and the Pacers at eight. I think the Magic are kind of surprising. I think they would sneak in there. So really early playoff seedings. Uh, that's what I would go for, for the, in the East. Um, and you know what? Tr- I would have – so I don't have – Orlando in my top eight because Marco Fultz got injured and I feel like he was a pretty big catalyst on this team surprisingly to average maybe 20 points per game I think that's a big loss our our one through eight is pretty different so I'll go through mine at one I have the Bucks because I see this team picking it up maybe off to a little slow of a start but Giannis will will be able to pick it up and, and you know get all of his ducks in a row and they'll be able to come back and and be that number one seed. Number two, I have Miami coming off of the NBA Finals loss uh, to the Lakers and and you know beating the Celtics last season. They have a lot of weapons. When it comes to Jimmy Butler, he could be good for thirty five points in a night in any given night. Then Bam Adebayo, when he's fully healthy, you have Goran Dragic off the bench. Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero are great from downtown. And even Andre Iguodala always seems to light up the Celtics from three-point range. He's old, but he's he's able to get it done. So I have Miami at two, Brooklyn Nets at three, Pacers at four. I love what this Pacers team is doing. You have, you know, a focal point in DeMontis Sabanis, who averages a double-double, he'll, you know, when you combine points, rebounds, and assists, he's good for at least 40 a night combined. He averaged at least 20 points per game from him. Victor Oladipo's had a little bit slower of a start. He is pretty injury-prone at this point, but he is still some guy, a guy that you can't take for granted when you play him. So, and again, Miles Turner, center, ha- averages about four blocks per game. So, you know, uh, that's, a, that's a good, solid team. Five, I have the Celtics. Kemba Walker is going to come back, and I know that the Celtics are ranked number one right now in the Eastern Conference. I think they'll have some dips, especially depending on who might be exposed to COVID. It might be difficult. Kemba Walker is going to come back. 
You don't know how that's going to affect Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, who have been carrying the load. It's going to be interesting to figure out. I mean, they've played well together in the past, but it's still not a learning curve, but it's something that they'll have to readjust to, especially with the new rookies and Tristan Thompson, Daniel Tice. They're going with the two big starting lineup. You just, you just don't know how that's going to really fare out. It hasn't been that great so far. Six, I have the 76ers. I just think that they got off to a really good start because they played against teams that weren't very good. That's just my opinion. When you look at the Celtics schedule compared to the 76ers, the Celtics played all teams who are, you know, in the top eight <laughs> so far. Uh, seven, I have the Raptors off to an atrocious start, but you can't count out Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, and Pascal Siakam, who has also just not been playing great basketball lately. He even was was benched. They didn't play him uh, the other night. And then eight, I have the Knicks. I like what the Knicks are doing with Tom Thibodeau, and Julius Randle is a candidate in my mind and I think on DraftKings to win most improved player. He's averaging, I think, a double-double. And he's, I think, like 25 points per game, if I'm not mistaken. So I think when you get back, a lot of players on the Knicks are injured right now. You have Alec Burks, who has a left ankle injury or right ankle injury. You have uh, Obi Toppin, who's injured. It's You're going to get back some some good weapons. And although they've lost three straight, I don't think that it's a fair representation of what they can do. And if you get them going, Austin Rivers gets going, you might be able to make a a playoff run and and squeak in past Orlando to get that number eight spot. You might have me on the Pacers there. I may have put them too low in my standings. I may have underestimated them because you do make a lot of really good points. That's a pretty solid squad there. Definitely a solid squad and and a team – that gave the Celtics trouble. We have basketball is here and it's great because we're finally in full swing, but right around the corner is baseball. And we're going to be in the midst of the baseball basketball seasons. And that's awesome to think about because you think of all the gambling possibilities and so many more things to watch every night. There's always going to be stuff to watch. And I haven't been this excited for a Mets season, I think, in my whole life. Yeah. The additions of Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco are huge. First of all, Francisco Lindor's smile is mesmerizing. (laughs) He's just a guy who loves playing baseball. He's a genuinely good guy. He is a big community guy. He, he, um, He saw a video of a young Mets fan celebrating Lindor being traded to the Mets. And he instantly hopped on a Zoom call with him, is sending him merch, stuff like that. He's just an all-around good guy, and he's one of the best players in baseball. He's only 27 years old, a shortstop, has one of the best wars in the league, and just brings some electricity to the team. And I know right now it's only a one-year it's only for assuming one year, but it's also assumed that they're about to, the Mets are about to sign him to a huge extension. We're talking maybe 10 years here. So I'm super stoked about the Mets season starting. I can't wait to see Lindor play. He might be the new face of the Mets, to be honest. 
if they get that extension done, say like Pete Alonso is there, but Frank yeah. Lindor might be that guy. With a smile like that. With a smile know. like that. And I mean, he just brings a certain swagger to the game. He's like one like a Fernando Tatis Jr. Mm-hmm. who's gonna launch a grand slam when you're already up ten to two. He puts people in the seats. He so he puts people in the seats. He's a happy go lucky kid and I cannot wait for baseball season to start. I have money on the Mets winning the World Series. Uh, you know, it may just be a pipe dream. I might just be in over my head. But the Mets have a way of doing that to me every year. But this year feels very different to me. And I cannot wait. Well, I hope it works out for you. I say both, you know, kind I'm of sincerely and kind of not sincerely. <laughs> By That's which fair. I mean, the, yeah. the Philadelphia Phillies right now on DraftKings are listed as they have the lowest odds to, to win the NL East. Yeah, see, that's what I was going to say. Like, I hope it works out for you. But, I mean, like, so I do mean that sincerely because the Phillies aren't doing nothing. I really, I mean, we're not making any big signings. And I you really care about me. Huh? And you care about me. Well, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, you know, we are co-hosts and everything. I guess we could call each other friends, but yeah, sure. Let's go with that. (laughs) So go Mets. (laughs) All right. So baseball season right around the corner. Football season coming to an end with the NFL divisional round coming up this weekend. I think last weekend was amazing. You had three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday. You couldn't have scripted it any better. I do personally wish the Titans won. I'm a big fan of Derrick Henry. I feel bad for him. But, you know, things things don't always work out. I don't think I had any money on that game. Oh, I did. You know what? I had Lamar Jackson and Derrick Henry both to score a touchdown. And Lamar had that, like, 58 yeah. or 48-yard touchdown run, which was insane. And, and Derrick Henry just – he was getting destroyed. Couldn't get it done. Average, like, one and a half yards per carry. It really was bad, and they kept they trying really to go back. Great there. job stopping him because if he could have been a factor, I, it would have been different. They should have passed it more. I mean, Tannehill and Brown were winding it up in the first quarter, and then it seemed like once they, you know, obviously the game plan was going to be to dominate with Henry, you know, dominate run calls and everything. But it's like at a certain point, if it's not working, you got to go back to, you know, switch it up to. I mean, if Tannehill was jiving that day. Let him throw the ball some more. I don't know. I was disappointed. I had like 60 on that Titans game. That was a bummer. I thought that was a lock for sure. But So speaking of locks, what are, you, what are you liking this weekend? We have four games. We have the Packers-Rams on Saturday and the Bills-Ravens. Mm-hmm. And on Sunday, we have the Chiefs and Browns and the Saints-Bucks. Right. Yeah. I think – so, Yeah. Another thing, last weekend, just I just kind of like put this blurb in there. They should do the wild card format like this every year from here on out. I it's never want to go card weekend. Yeah, like the free games are perfect. Love like, that. The, yeah. Every single week. Not Nickelodeon at all. I did not. I don't. No, I couldn't get that. I don't. I got I couldn't Nickelodeon. find Nickelodeon on my TV to be honest. Yeah, honestly, I don't, are they still making shows? <laughs> yeah, I have no clue. I I was able to find Teen Nick but not straight up Nickelodeon. I was able to see some like 
video clips on Twitter of like what was going on. And I saw Sean Payton got slimed at the end of the game, which was pretty. Yeah. Cool. And, you know, Nickelodeon has my heart forever, but yeah. I wasn't able to watch any of the games on there. Same. But uh, yeah, it was great. I had a great time. I, I, I could watch football, meaningful playoff football from one until midnight every day for the rest of my life. I could. It's a shame we only get it two days out of the year. But this weekend, we're back to the two games, divisional round. Saturday, I think favorites dominate. Sunday is the day for the underdogs. So right now, I'm looking at my lock of the week is the Bills. I think, what did you say earlier? The sprint's at two and a half? Two and a half on DraftKings. Yeah, I would take that as high as four and a half. I think Josh Allen really is just an amazing, an amazing He's a stud. He's a great quarterback. I mean, he's going to be – if he's not already top five in the league, he, he should be now. And he's I, in the MVP discussion. He won't win it, but he's no. in the MVP discussion. He deserves to be in that discussion. Here's a stat. So he is 27-12-2 against the spread since um, 2018, which is the most profitable, you know, uh, most profitable record of any starting quarterback against the spread with that volume of games. So, I mean, the guy is just a money machine. And so, I mean, I'll put him as my, him and his bills as my lock of the week, because I think the rest of the team has swagger. They're kind of like the Browns right now. You know, you have franchises that are really good, but haven't been in the playoffs in a while. And I think this year alone, especially because the bills have fans, you know, you, you feel that more, those teams want to win more. And I think it's going to show up on the field. And you might even be in for a surprise on Sunday with the Cleveland against uh, Kansas City. I wouldn't put it past Baker Mayfield to pull off an upset. Wow, that's that's big. I mean, it's hard for me to see Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and and Travis Kelsey going down against the Browns. But maybe that over 56. Oh, yeah, that too. I, it's a great game for the over. Definitely. Yeah, like you know, like a lot of passes. A lot of passing touchdowns in that one I can see. My lock of the week is underdog Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Saints. Take a money line, take them plus three. I love it. I don't like the over 51 and a half because I remember putting all of my eggs in the over basket the last time the Saints and Bucks played and I got absolutely destroyed. It was such a low scoring game and it was so disappointing. But when you look at Tom Brady's weapons, Compared to, you know, Drew Brees' weapons and considering Drew Brees' injury history and just how bad he's looked this season, Tom Brady still looks like a stud. Mm -hmm. And his wide receivers and tight ends are helping him out. Strong offensive line, protecting him. I really, really like the Buccaneers' money line straight up over the Saints Sorry to Alvin Kamara. I really like him a lot as a player. I would like to see him win. I like Mike Thomas as a player as well. But And, and it's hard for me to even root for Tom Brady, given my status as a Jets fan. That's right. But, and I do have a futures bet on the Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl that I placed in August. So it's it's looking pretty good so far. This will be a tough matchup for sure. I think it'll be closer than it was the last time they played. But Tampa Bay is is about to to wreak some havoc on the Saints. Yeah, I like that they I, – I, first of all, I love that pick. 
I completely agree. I think huge. Like I said, Sunday's for the underdogs, I think. I think. And I love that this game is the last game of the weekend because, you know, it's kind of fitting that you have these two quarterbacks facing each other in the playoffs. That's a huge old heads. Old heads. Yep. Get the last call for the weekend. And I'm hoping it'll be a great game, but I think Tampa Bay is just a scary, scary team. And as a Packers fan, I really don't want to play them again. Ronald Jones might not even play. It depends. Oh, well. Well, that would help a little bit. But they still got Fournette. Yeah, they have Fournette, which, I mean, he played a pretty good game the other night. But is this Drew Brees' last game in the NFL? I believe so. I believe so. Yep. I think we saw Drew Brees. Well, we will see Drew Brees' last game. And we saw Philip Rivers' last game last weekend. He's about to become the next Tony Romo. Yep. Well, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't want to see Philip Rivers on TV. Well, they're saying that he might, that they're probably going to sign him to a, a broadcast deal. Oh, no. Don't you want to hear him say golly? <laughs> no, not at all. I just, I've never liked him. He golly, seems- that was a bad play. <laughs> golly, <laughs> look at that pass. Darn it. <laughs> no. You don't want to see that? You don't want to hear it? I already have one quarterback, Romo. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick with him. <laughs> All right. And obviously you have the Packers in many different ways in the future. I like the Packers minus seven. I really don't think the Rams are good at all. Uh, the fact that they beat the Seahawks, I mean, Russell Wilson played horribly. Mm-hmm. That's like flat out. He played horribly. And Green Bay is going to destroy this game. Yeah. It, it's not even going to be close. So I like the Packers minus seven here. Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers. It's this is an easy pick for me. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm not like like you said. I have probably some 50 units on Packers winning the Super Bowl. So at this point, I don't need to bet them individually for the games anymore. But I would certainly take them to cover the spread here. I mean, you know, they're they're so banged up. Goff has a broken thumb still. Donald got injured a little bit. He's going to be questionable with his ribs. So, I mean, Jalen Ramsey might give Devontae Adams a little bit of a problem. I'm sure he's going to be on him all game. But Rodgers is jiving with everybody right now. He'll find somebody else to throw to, whether it's Tanyan, MVS. You know, hopefully MVS deep because Scanlon can't catch a ball within 10 yards of the, you know, first the snap, whatever. But deep balls, he's our guy, I think, yeah. And, and Aaron Jones, you know, the offense just has way too many weapons. Even though the Rams' defense is number one, I think Packers roll over. We're at home. We have our fans here in the stadium. First time all season. Well, not the first time. Maybe it's the first time all season. I know family has been allowed. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. But similar situation to what the Bills had last week, our fans are going to be rocking stadium will sound like there's 50,000 plus people in there Packers by a million you also have to consider the Rams lost to the Jets <laughs> yeah that's right how, how right who in the- strength Rams lose to Jets Aaron Rodgers and Packers crush <laughs> the Rams <laughs> who in their right mind would bet money on a team that lost to the Jets I you can't, can't. you just can't I, I can't couldn't be me Mm-mm. Won't it be me? No, sir. And it won't be me. <laughs> all right, Andrew. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's episode. 
a lot of stuff is happening in the sports world. You have to be following what's going on. The NBA is in disarray. Hopefully these new changes spark something good. And hopefully we don't have to postpone the whole season. And where is Kyrie? I feel bad for him. But, you know, a lot of stuff's going on again. Andrew, I love talking to you this week. And I look forward to talking to you again next week. We'll do our our NBA Western Conference predictions as well as a plethora of other stuff. We'll do NFL picks as well. But that is all the time we have again. This podcast, as always, is brought to you by Guy Boston Sports. Follow them on Twitter at Guy Boston Sports. Follow me and Andrew at SamaraRose31 and at CityJohn. And let us know what you want to hear on upcoming episodes of the show. Thank you, as always. Peace and love. Oh, 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 oh,